0: The OpenAPI specification has emerged as the industry standard for describing RESTful APIs. This specification, which was formed around the open-source project known as Swagger, paved the way for developers to discover, build, and manage APIs using API schemas. In this episode of Cocktails we are joined by one of the newly appointed co-chairmen of the Open API Initiative Business Governance Board to discuss the Open API specification itself its competitive and collaborative nature with other existing formats ways on how to address the challenges developers face when producing APIs and what lies ahead for the future of the industry with APIs
1: Welcome to Coding Over Cocktails a podcast by Toro Cloud here we talk about digital transformation, application integration, low-code application development, data management, and business process automation. Catch some expert insights as we sit down with industry leaders who share tips on how enterprises can take on the challenge of digital transformation. Take a seat, join us for a round. Here are your hosts, Kevin Montalbo and Toro Cloud CEO
2: and founder, David Brown.
0: Joining us as always, all the way from Australia, is SoreCloud CEO and founder, David Brown. Hello, David. Good morning, Kevin. And our guest for today is the Chief Evangelist for Postman and is also known as the API Evangelist, studying the technology, business, and politics of the API lifecycle. Having worked with startups, enterprise organizations, and government agencies when it comes to their API lifecycle strategy, he has worked for the Obama administration as a presidential innovation fellow and with the European Commission and EU on API related policy and practices. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest for today is Kin Lane. Hey, Kin, great to have you on the show. Hey there. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. All right. So first, we wanted to congratulate you on becoming the co-chair of the Open API Initiative Business Governance Board. So what do you hope to accomplish at Open API?
2: Yeah, no, thank you. That's um, definitely a I don't know a, a meaningful moment for me because I've been involved in the spec since you know early days knowing Tony, building out Swagger, and really uh helped play a role in getting it into the Linux Foundation. And and so I would say, you know, in joining Isabel and I are a co-chair. So Isabel from uh, 42 Crunch and I it we both had a lot of interest in the role and but neither of us wanted to do it all by ourselves and so we compliment each other so well we said hey why don't we throw our hat in the ring together and um, i'm very thankful to have her uh, in a supporting role so we've kind of laid out you know our original pitch when we were kind of politic into get the role and talking to folks but also just kind of uh, what we want to see, and so we feel we we feel pretty strongly right now that the the open API the open API initiative to date has been really about kind of a defensive stance of the spec itself. Like we've got to just uh, stabilize the spec, we've got to uh, get it moving forward, get it to version three, move it beyond the Swagger days, and 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 kind of defend it against uh, its other competing specs as well as somewhat service providers, tooling providers and whatnot. And we feel like we want to kind of reverse it. Now's the time it's stabilized. People are, you know, the spec is moving forward towards 3.1 now and uh, finding harmony with JSON schema and other specs. So we really feel like now's the time that we need to kind of shift into higher gear when it comes to uh, reaching out to other specifications. So that supportive JSON schema that we talked about, Async API. Uh, and and then part of my postman work, postman collections, kind of fit in there nicely. So really uh, working well with other specifications. Um, I would throw GraphQL into the mix there as well. Um, and then how are those applied in specific industries? So when it comes to healthcare, financial, uh, travel. So really trying to take kind of an outward facing motion when it comes to reaching out to specific industries and how they're using Open API. And then i would say the other piece is really helping bring more definition and and uh, clarity to what services are available what service providers exist that are using open api such as yourself and then uh also the same for tooling um you know the open api tries to take a a neutral stance when it comes to services not playing favorites which is uh, sensible and makes you know works well but we also got to strike a balance between how do we push forward adoption of the spec among service providers? How do we get people being more open and sharing their, their, their specifications rather than keeping them hidden? And so those are the main areas is multi-spec, multi-industry, and then really kind of bring some uh, coherency to the services and tooling around the specs.
1: Kim, Kim, I'd like to um, hone in on that multi-spec concept. So, At the moment, Open API Initiative, um, as you say, is all about the evolution of the Swagger definition and making it its own thing. But you mentioned a few other competing formats like JSON Schema, GraphQL, Async API. So, are you talking about bringing them into the fold? Are you talking making some sort of of complementary integration between them? How how do you see it working?
2: Um, I would. You know everything's on the table. I would say the OAI is a home for other specs. I think that's that's on the table. That's one of the conversations. It's available to async and JSON schema. Um, GraphQL is already in the Linux Foundation in a separate, you know, uh, a group. So uh, I would say it's it's kind of d all the above. It's it's how do we work better interoperable between existing specs it you know with their own governance already in place uh make a home for um other specs that maybe need a governance and i would say async api right now is currently um looking for a home and kind of courting and talking to linux foundation apache and others about finding a home um the oai is on the table um that that conversation is continuing same for json schema you know json schemas is still in draft mode but it's it's definitely become a specification i mean it's baked into both open api and async api as a sub specification but its adoption across the enterprise is pretty clear so where's you know as it matures and and grows up here where is it going to live that's on the table but really for me um the most important part is how do we start working together, making, ensuring that the specs are supporting each other. You know, like we have a project right now that the OAI is looking to do involving JSON schema documentation. And I know async API is very keen on this as well is people need uh, uh, one, the doc, the JSON schema documentation to keep up with the latest draft that's right now, but also just support the need because, uh, Open API has JSON schema support needs. Async API has JSON schema support needs. So the docs have to be really good. And the OAI can help fund that, help make that happen. Async API can help fund that, make that happen. And so how do we, how do we fund those cross uh, spec initiatives? How do we find projects and that that make them happen? And then I would say, how do we? Stay competitive, but do it in a more collaborative way, if I can say that. And I'm calling out specifically uh, GraphQL and Open API. you know, is how do we how do we be more honest and upfront about, hey, these are two very powerful uh, specifications for very uh, different but overlapping needs and how do we not say oh well graphql is going to replace open API or open api is the one how do we say well they're both valid in a, in a in a diverse API toolbox and make sure we're we're approaching it sensibly
1: yeah because you've written about this on your blog before right this mindset of yeah you know, graphql is better than open api or vice versa and mm-hmm. you're like hey guys it's not about uh which one is going to win the war here is let's work out the advantages and with the use case for each and how they can work together and complement each other.
2: Yeah, that's super important. I mean, I'm a big, I'm a database guy. I mean, I databases go back way back to the eighties to date myself. Um, you know, that's my first job. It's what i got into APIs. So I get GraphQL and I love GraphQL. I think it's, it's super powerful, but i I I don't think it's a replacement for REST APIs. And I don't think open or GraphQL's a schema is a replacement for open API. I think they both have their places. And I think it does similar to the link data folks, the hypermedia folks who 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 came, they kind of come onto the stage with this aggressive stance, like, hey, we're gonna we're the best and we're gonna replace what came before us. And I get that. I mean, that's a kind of bravado that we have in the tech space, but um, it's not conducive, you know, I've been on a lot of projects that should have been GraphQL implementations that didn't because of some kind of over-aggressive positioning and stance. And they were just like, well, we we really don't want to get involved in GraphQL because it just sounds like it's a trendy kind of thing that, that we might regret. And I'm like, no, it's actually a good tool, you know, so it's tough.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, you also talked about uh, servicing specific verticals. Um, Healthcare, banking, all of the rest. Um, tell us a bit more about that. What's the what's the vision behind uh, supporting specific verticals?
2: Yeah, so I mean, every industries that's been transformative over the last two, three hundred years has faced regulatory, uh, you know, position, you know. Uh, rules and regulation coming down from governments to kind of stabilize and as a, as, a, as a space grow. I mean, think telecommunications, automobile industry, um, these have all faced that. So that's what's happening to technology right now. We see a lot of that. And so the industries you see that happening in are the the, the most heavily regulated ones already. So healthcare, finance, and travel are kind of the tips of those the spheres. And those are the ones we see API regulations emerging, so PSD2 banking in, in Europe, and then we've seen other countries emulate that, that uh, policy. So here's PSD2, it's, it's how you define your, your payment APIs, your bank account APIs, and standardize those uh, across Europe, UK, and then we've seen that in Southeast Asia and other places uh, adopt that. Now, in the US, the CFPB, the Consumer Finance Protection uh, Bureau, Bureau, is uh, um, adopting a similar. They just announced that they're going to do that. So the federal government in the U.S. saying you need to have APIs, A, eh, and those APIs need to reflect this standard. Um, and that standard can be described as open API. So PSD2, you can describe as, as using an open API. And so you see that in healthcare as well. Um, there's what's called the the FHIR uh, API standards, HL7 uh, Fire. And it's a healthcare uh, standard for to ensure uh, interoperability between healthcare systems. And the, the in the U.S., the Center for Medicaid and Medicare and Health and Human Services has mandated several waves over the last couple of years that that if you want to do business with the, the U.S. government um, when it comes to healthcare, which is sixty percent of the healthcare in this country, I believe, roughly. Um, that you need to have an API and it needs to follow this standard. And again, you can define that standard as open API. And then the same applies in travel. There's the open travel specification for the travel industry, airlines, hotels, activities, all of that defined as a common standard, which you can then articulate as open API. So the, the Venn diagram is just pretty natural there that you have these emerging regulations and rules. You have these industry specifications that can be described as open API. They can also be described as async API and JSON schema. Um, how do we how do we uh, you know move all of those conversations forward? Make sure we're doing it in a healthy and, and logical way. And then, how do we do that in other industries that aren't those three?
1: Like you say, though, the industries already have the option to describe those APIs in. In open API or, or other formats. So, what would be the open APIs initiative? There would it be to uh, approach those governing bodies of those industries and promote the uh, open API description format uh, to those industries, so that they to, to try and get those industries promoting the adoption of open APIs as the description format of choice.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would say that. But even before that, just uh, showcase that which is already happening i mean fire hl7 fire they're using open api to define it um they're using json schema Um, same for psd2 you can find uh, open apis you know from the french government the german government the uk government so they're already using open api there's just no well the uk is a the member of the open api um, uh, Netherlands has adopted Open API as official government standard, so there's some of that, but there's not really any feedback loop or two-way street there between the OAI and these industries. So yeah, go out and and engage with the folks who are already doing things. Uh, go out and engage with. Uh, industry organizations who maybe aren't already doing, you know, open API fluent and building relationships there and figuring out what they need. Let's just set up a feedback loop and let's have dedicated reps at the OAI uh, to help be the kind of ambassadors for these, for these industries and help do some of the legwork and see what, what comes back through those feedback loops. Interesting.
1: You mentioned JSON schema a few times and in, in postman's, 2020 State of the API report, you found that JSON Schema is the dominant API specification, or 75% yeah. of respondents were using it. Open API came in at 27%. Now, you also said that um, uh, uh, Open API has uh, some sort of support for JSON Schema. So, can we talk about the distinction here where you're talking about respondents saying they're using JSON Schema, you're saying Open API su- yeah, supports JSON Schema? Can you run us through that?
2: Yeah, it's it's a tough one. I think we need to keep talking about because I'm always fascinated by how many people are unaware of this, mm. and how long I was unaware of it too. I didn't really fully grasp it. Um, so JSON schema. Let's start with JSON schema. It's a it's a format for defining objects. JSON, XML, uh, CSV, any YAML, um, any object that you can. It's called JSON schema. Unfortunately named. You can use it. In YAML formats, and you can use it to describe other formats. But JSON is, I think, the most common. But you use it to describe your objects. So you have a, you know, a product. You know, the name of the product, the description, uh, and the pricing, the the brand. Those are all properties of that object. You have, you have a product, and you can describe that with JSON schema, and it provides a machine readable way that says here's the object, and then here's its properties. And then here's a handful of characteristics about those properties, meaning it's a number, it's a string, it's a date, it can be. uh, And so it helps you model your objects. And these are the objects that get passed back and forth through APIs. So in in a, a RESTful or web API, which is described as open API, that JSON schema can be posted to an API. So it can be part of the request of an API. Or it can be come back as the response. So if I'm queer if I'm calling a products API, I'm getting back an array of product objects defined as JSON schema. If I'm adding a product, I'm gonna post that object. So really JSON schema is the most critical because these are Uh, you know, this is our data modeling. This is how we're kind of defining our digital assets. We're not talking about access to those digital objects yet. We're just saying, these are, you know, these are the digital resources that we have laying around, or these are the digital capabilities of our organizations. We can send email, we can send SMSs, and here's that object. Now, why it's the most popular is for many reasons. Because there's not a lot of competing standards for modeling and data modeling. There are, but they're more database oriented. They're less API oriented. Um, and then most people don't, even API providers, in my experience, don't see the access. They see the API is about the resource, the that object being, you know. So it's it's about the products. It's not about the product access through the API. And so a lot of emphasis and rightly so, the value is placed on the object itself rather than a well-designed API providing access to that object um, in a request response way or in a, in a published subscribe way, a message, or an event-driven way that would be described as async, you could use async API. So with that said, you have web APIs, um, that request and response. I can use JSON schema to describe what gets requested and, and what ends up as the response. And open API describes that, that access. So open API describes the path for the products API, all the parameters, all the details. And then it has a reference to JSON schema that says here's the product you'll get back as part of the response, or here's the product you can send as part of the request. And so JSON schema is a, is a subset of open API. You describe all of your objects in open that, that's part of your API using JSON schema. you just wrap it with open API. And the same for async API. so Fran, um, creator of async API, modeled it after open API. It's a sister specification but, rather than just describing request and response APIs or HTTP APIs, you can describe H- uh, TCP, MQTT, Kafka, NATs. So uh, more, a more kind of wider spectrum of protocols, but they tend to be more pub, sub, event-driven, message-driven designs of APIs for access. And so JSON schema is this uh, subset of both open API and async API. And Key, core and key to the modeling that occurs around those, you know, access to those APIs.
1: Are you familiar with the uh, common data model promoted by Microsoft and Adobe?
2: I am, I'm familiar with that. I wouldn't say I'm an expert in it.
1: Yeah, so we've been doing a lot of work with the common data model, which is a model for defining data entities, like a, a contact entity, not order entity, mm-hmm. these objects. And uh, we've built a product on top of that called uh, Negroni. So we use a JSON uh, schema specification to define those objects. Nice. And uh, give uh, give give people a, a UI to to build these objects or extend existing objects, and then use the Open API specification to create a service to be able to uh, create a database schema to be able to read and write to, to mm-hmm. the database, which nice. has been provided in this JSON schema. So exactly along the lines that you were you were talking about.
2: Yeah, I would love to. I mean, I. I'm a big fan, supporter of JSON schema, definitely working with Ben and and them to try to envision the future. But I would say, you know, I was part of the RAML uh, working group for a number of years and I still Mm -hmm. have regular conversations with them. And that was a pretty superior approach specification to data modeling and as well as the access via APIs and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm really big on there being competing standards. and, And I would like to see open API like async API does be more compatible and versatile with other specs. And this is, I would say, one of the things that Isabel and I want to focus on is uh, the extensions. There's a lot of extensions that have emerged, is and study those a little bit more when it comes to, there's like service level and gateway and code gen and other types of uh, extensions of Open API that have emerged. Um, some of those are related to the data modeling in the JSON schema, some of them are not. Um, And then the concept of overlay, so how, you know, do you either extend the specification or can you overlay something to the open API and does it need to not uh, be actually part of the, the open API spec? Can you just like augment open API with it? And so I'm really keen on pushing forward conversations around competing specs, extensions, overlays. Multi, and in a multi-spec realm, not just siloed and thinking, "Oh, this should all live within the Open API spec." No, how do you create a kind of buffet of these specs that you can then overlay to Open API or async? You know, think of a WebSockets API that you know you may start with a HTTP request response API, get a header, hey, switch over here to a pub sub and WebSockets. How do you, uh, you know? How do you define that using open API and async? But then, how do you overlay or extend those in a way that they they work together? You know, so yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunity on this front.
1: You've got your work cut out for you. You must be being bombarded by
2: <laughs> people <laughs> asking you
1: how they can collaborate and and extend and and uh, with open API.
2: Well, for I find for the most part, just studying what people are already doing. Because I did a story last week on API Evangelist, just out of some research I was doing, you know, looking at AWS's, Microsoft's, and a handful, I think, fourteen total uh, service providers and how and what their extensions are, because they actually have a page dedicated to explaining their extensions. And I just learn a lot from that. So I think you know, people just. Use Open API. Do what you do with it, and and let's come up with the ways that we can, you can communicate that out, and we'll just study that in real time as it's happening. So,
1: so there's a lot of uh, API description formats, and and and, you, and there used to be perhaps more. We mentioned RAML, and it has been consolidating, particularly for RESTful APIs on Open API. But um, uh, Postman also did in part of this 2020 report. Uh, cited obstacles for adoption of apis and 52 cited the number one ob- obstacle for adoption of apis was lack of time followed by a lack of knowledge of how to do it at 36 percent. as an industry the one ourselves in- included producing tool sets for api development and deployment how can we help address these obstacles
2: yeah um so i mean that those two kind of things represent a lack of prioritization from leadership at these organizations. So a lack of prioritization of the APIs themselves and as well as a lack of, of prioritization of, of their employees learning these new technologies, learning, you know, what an API is, what an open API is, you know, what what how these things work. And so we've got to do a better job. And I think the OAI um as well as the other specs as well as service providers, such as both of us, you know, how do we work together to better invest in documentation, collateral content that educates um, around, you know, APIs, because there's a shared value, a shared, excuse me, a shared um, benefit here. And I've seen it, you know, because I'm API evangelist. I started in 2010 and I, I'm at, 5,000 blog posts now over, over the course of a decade and really with a focus on educating people and educating people who are developers, but also not developers trying to get to that leadership factor. Like this, is, this should be prioritized and this is why. It's not because it's just some new vendor solution or some new trend. It's actually fundamental to your business and so, how do we convince leadership of that? But then all the way up to leadership, how do we educate people about good API design? Why simplicity and HTTP matters? Why interoperability matters? And, and, and having shared specifications so we can do interoperability much cheaper in a much more automated way. Um, and so, we all got to get together. And I'm trying to do this as part of the OAI, but we have a project that's outside of the OAI because I'm trying to make it multi-spec and multi-service provider. It's called the API specification toolbox, but how do we create blog content independently of any domain or, or destination, but just about open API, you know, literacy and education, async API, JSON schema, and then how do we publish and syndicate those blogs where they need to get the widest reach so we're educating how do we do that with white papers how do we do it with podcasts and and uh web content or video content how do we do it with uh you know other other areas a new a shared newsletter maybe but i would like for this podcast i mean that's why i responded to you guys because i like I'm here as a personality to, to be on these, but then how do we, as you guys bring every cast of character, you know, a personality on how do we help amplify, you know, if you guys are talking about specifications, which I know it's core to your business, how do we as a community highlight that, you know, even if I'm a a, a competitor of you guys, like, how do I, how do I see the value in tweeting your podcast and tweeting it out? And how do we have this kind of shared sense of the API community in a way and enrich it and invest in it, knowing that it's gonna make all of us better, even when it comes to competing. And so, you know, I think it was Sam Ramji from Apogee when when they IPO'd, and I maybe it was either when they IPO'd or got acquired by Google, he's like told me, he's like, I've always really appreciated what you do as API evangelists because you're educating people. And we couldn't always prioritize amongst our investors spending money on on educating the space about what is an api why is an api you always did that he's all and then what if you look at our budget as you know we go public and north transparent that you have to share that like education ended up being a massive sp- part of our spend because it's super critical even though Throughout our journey, we we had to fight tooth and nail to, to like allocate that money, invest in that money. And he's like, you as API evangelists just like always understood this and knew this was a default and just did it, you know? And so that's what I really kind of want to bring to the API specification toolbox and wider is how to, as a community of service providers, tooling providers and specifications, how do we get better at shared storytelling, supporting each other's work, being on each other's podcasts, amplifying each other's podcasts. So,
1: yeah, uh, great work. And I mean, t- to be in that educational role since 2010 is amazing. I was just trying to do the numbers in my head. You said 5,000 blogs over those 10 years, so uh, works out to a blog a day around, roughly. Is that right?
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, if you if you look at the, I think I plotted it once, and it was there's some days I was literally doing three to five blog posts a day. Yeah. And then there's some weeks where I just burnt out and you wouldn't hear a word from me. So, yeah, it, it it balances out over time. So
1: I think that educational process is going to address the lack of knowledge aspect of that, uh, you know, obstacle to adoption. Lack of time, though, is a different issue, right? So I'm wondering whether yeah. the tooling itself needs to improve, maybe more automation uh, is required, Um, how can we address, address that lack of time aspect as tooling providers?
2: Well, part of that is we got to educate the leadership because leadership carves out and allows for, for workers to have the time. So that's a big piece of it. Mm -hmm. But I would say we got to demonstrate that, Hey, if you embrace open API and do open API well, you're going to be doing APIs better, meaning you're going to be designing, delivering, uh, more consistent APIs, but then you're going to be integrating. And, and I would say this is just the the next iteration or evolution of CI C D is interoperability shouldn't be this hard. You know, it's like we should have open API specs for all the services that that we need out there. And those shouldn't be hidden. Those should be publicly available, consistent, um, and and up to date. And then the off layer on that should, you know, we've got a lot of it's been a while since we need to invest more in, in not just OAuth, but I mean, JWT reflects this, you know, but we've got to invest more in kind of the next gen of, of authentication and identity and access management over this. So it's not as hard for me to uh, authenticate with all the services I need. And so we demonstrate to leadership. APIs matter, why they matter. And if you're doing them well and in a machine readable way like this, it benefits your company and everyone else's companies as well. And we got to get people over that fact that, oh, if I have a, a a catalog of up-to-date open APIs for all the top services out there, if I share that somehow, I'm, you know, uh, giving benefit to my competitor, you know, no, like, sure, you are, but it's going to benefit you even more. You're going to be more agile, nimble, and flexible. You're going to be able to pivot. You're going to be able to respond to business changes quicker. Um, and so it's going to, it's good. That lack of time, if you do APIs well, that lack of time redu- it shrinks because you're, you're, you're quicker, you're faster, your team's well-educated. They know what to do. You can respond to critical changes. You can outcompete your, your competition. You can do what you do best as a business rather than just the, the mundane, repetitive things that we have to face when it comes to, you know, continuous deployment and continuous integration. And in, you know, the interoperability, I mean, I'm preaching to the choir with you guys. It just needs to be a no-brainer. Most people don't, care about specs don't care about the granular details they just want the business connection to work and that's the way it should be across the board um, look
1: we're coming to the tail end of the podcast so i just wanted to quickly uh get your opinion about the future of apis in this podcast we talk about the future of apis we've covered areas like uh, automated api discovery and connectivity uh, by defining an api by the domain that it uh, uh controls we also discussed how machine-generated services uh, from an API schema, including Open API or, or Postman collections, can uh, kill the concept of having connector where you can generate services on the fly. Uh, what about you? Do you what do you see in regards to the future of APIs?
2: I mean, it's easy to in tech to kind of just have this futuristic, moving fast, always forward view of the landscape my view after, you know, 30 years in the tech space and then 10 years exclusively on APIs is much more slower, wider. Um, I wouldn't say slower is the right word. It's not precise focus. It's let's invest in more of this, the things we're already doing, but doing them better, you know? So it's, I mean, discovery is not new. It, you know, there's there's been service discovery for a while. It's not new. We've got to improve it, you know, and you see things like this happening. Um, My friend Z, who came from Apiary, he just got some funding for a new kind of AI discovery service. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been working on discovery stuff for quite a while. Um, I have my own specification API's JSON that allows you to uh, describe API operations and not just the API, but the business of that API, the onboarding of the API, the terms of service for that API, all those other things that are critical to integration. that, that can become friction points and sh- and have to be machine readable if we're going to automate all of this. We have to understand the pricing of the, the API we're integrating with if we're going to automate it. We're going to have to understand the terms of service, the privacy policies, all of that in a machine readable way. So the future of APIs for me is just doing what we, what we already do, but doing it better, um, abstracting away the complexities so that that business users can, can move faster with APIs. You know, I'm a big believer that everyone should should understand that APIs exist because um, you shouldn't ever buy a, a SaaS solution or software or anything that doesn't have an API as a business because you're just locking yourself in. But business users and leadership shouldn't understand the technical details of OAuth and, and OpenAPI. But they should understand open API um, is is better for their business, better for their connectivity, better for their interoperability, and so really the future is about making you know making sure it's all visible, like you can see all the moving parts of the machine. Um, it's better defined using specifications, more plug and play, and interoperable. But you know, there's certain things about APIs that are still difficult for me, and I'm you know, API guru, whatever that people, you know, it's like, why is it still so hard to connect to some APIs? You know, it's just really difficult and it shouldn't be. And that's not because of technical, that's because of business and uh, perception around competition. You really, you know, your your partners, it's easy to onboard frictionless, but the public API is meant to be difficult. Um, and not that those are always conscious, sometimes they're subconscious. But for me, the future is like, it's just better defining our life cycle, better defining the services that we use depend on internally and externally. Um, When it comes to discovery, like, can you find all of your APIs as an organization? I haven't been to one enterprise organization that knows where all their APIs are and have them defined in a catalog. Um, I don't know one organization that says, man, that sunlight's starting to really shine on me. Um, The one... uh, one organization that knows all the external services and APIs they use. So the Dropboxes, the Twitter APIs, the, you know, Office 365 APIs, like there's no organized way for organizations to go, here's, here's the resources we depend on. Here's the capabilities we depend on. So discovery has got to become, can't get more complicated. It's got to get easier. Um, And, uh, and, so the future is more about it's going to be less technical less of the geeky stuff i mean like service mesh and things like that are great like i'm i'm a big believer in reliability and stability of apis circuit breakers all of that there's a discovery component to that but these are these are very geeky technical things and same with kubernetes and containerization all of these things are are critical infrastructure but for where the mainstream you know, when I started in 2010, it was all the Twilio's and SendGrid's and Stripe's, the, the the alpha tech companies I was talking to. By 2017, I'm talking to banks and insurance companies and healthcare providers. So everyone's doing APIs now. As we move into the future, it's just going to be about how do we simplify that How do we make it have mass appeal, mass adoption? It can't just be about developers and and it's got to be about non-developers and business users. And we're seeing this with Postman is, you know, a lot of our growth in in adoption is amongst uh, sales and analysts who are using collections to get data out of systems that they can't get through an interface. We're seeing uh, more product managers and, and people who are leading groups and leading teams in there. And so you see APIs or something that's, you know, being used by the average business person. And so all of this just has to get easier, which means back to what the future is, it's just further investing in what we already know. I know it's not sexy. I know it's not like, you know, sci-fi, futuristic, what's cool and what's next, you know, but it's the reality of it. We just got to, it's, we're coming out of the wild west, regulation starting to hit, We've just got to really kind of dial things in and get more standardized and consistent in what we're already doing.
1: I think that standardization, adoption, and maturity of the API landscape is perhaps is sexy for corporates because that's what they want. <laughs> they, yeah. You know, they don't want the cutting edge. They want it to stabilize. They want you know to, to settle down and become easier. So yeah. whilst as techies, we don't see it as particularly sexy or exciting, maybe it's more practical and uh it's, it is more exciting
2: for the, well, 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 and with that said, I think more, um, you know, I'm seeing the API lifecycle organizations. You see this with API first things is, uh, when an API comes to life, there's not just developers at the table, bringing it to life. There's other business stakeholders, part of that conversation from day one. And I think that's a sign of, of the future and what's to come is, is we need, you know, the tech, you know, we don't need us techies always leading all of these conversations because we don't get the business reality a lot of the times and we're doing it for the sake of the tech. And so we need that tempered by business value business. And I get a lot of people who, who say, well, we've already done this before in the SOA time, you know, it's like, I hear that constantly. Yes, but we didn't weren't honest about some of the business and other implications. And that's why those things failed or fell short, because as developers, we saw the perfect technical solution is what wins. And that's not the case. Um, I mean, I think I can say this honestly between RAML and open API. RAML is a superior specification to open API. I'm sorry, it just is, but it didn't win. Mm-hmm. And there's there and that reflects the wider API space to me is best product doesn't always win and I think we've got to just be more honest about what those influences are
1: I'm old enough to remember Betamax versus VHS
2: Uh, yes (laughs) totally great example
1: (laughs) all right Ken look great practical advice pleasure to have you on the podcast how can uh people uh, follow you keep in touch with what you're writing and talking
2: about oh I mean I'm easy to find my name's original so k-i-n Kin Lane is pretty easy to find. There's only one other gentleman who lives in Hong Kong with the same name, and he's not doing APIs. So, um, you know, API evangelist.com is, is kind of my, you know, where I blog. It's what I'm known for. Um, you can find me on uh, postman.blog.postman.com. But on Twitter, Kin Lane or API evangelist, you'll find me there. I'm pretty, pretty prolific. Those are the main channels you're going to find me.
0: All right, that's a wrap for this round of cocktails. To our listeners, what did you think of this podcast episode? Let us know in the comment section from the podcast platform you're listening to. Also, please visit our website at www.torocloud.com for a transcript of this episode, as well as our blogs and our products. We're also on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. Talk to us there, cause we listen. Just look for ToroCloud. Again, thank you very much for listening to us today. On behalf of the entire team here at ToroCloud, This has been Kevin Montalbo for Coding Over Cocktails. Cheers!